We're starting a series of lessons for this month. As you know that our theme for the year is uh, courage. You remember that, ne? And so uh, this month of March, we want to talk under the subtitle, Courage to Use Your Weapons. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. I'm going to read from the New King James Version and from the NIV, and it reads as follows. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. The NIV reads, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So God has given us weapons. And I think God means what he says. It's weapons. Weapons are for fighting. Weapons are for defense. Weapons are for us to also be offensive. Weapons mean we don't yield our power to our enemy. We don't play dead. We stand up and fight for what rightfully belongs to us. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who says, I'm going to fight for what really belongs to me? And the Bible says in Isaiah 54, verse 17, in the King James says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So it means I have weapons and my enemy has weapons. However, My enemy's weapons will not prosper. In the common Jewish Bible, it reads, no weapon made will prevail against you. New century version reads, no weapon that is used against you will defeat you. Which means, Barcelona, we are at war. I know we don't like to use that terminology, but we are at war. There's a warfare that's brewing, goes on all the time. And Satan is our enemy. He's not a friend. Satan doesn't think well of you. He doesn't want to bless you. He's your enemy. And the word of God reveals to us that because of these weapons that we have, we are victorious over satanic power. Your amen doesn't sound victorious at all. Tell your neighbor, it's not yesterday, it's today. We are victorious. Our victory over Satan is that Jesus has already overcome the devil. And God has provided us with weapons. Can I hear an amen? So when we read in Ephesians 6, reading from verse 10, I'm going to read the complete Jewish Bible it explains this concept to us that we are at war. It says in verse 10, Ephesians 6:10, finally, grow powerful. Look at your neighbor and say, grow powerful. Look at your other neighbor and say, grow powerful. It says, finally, grow powerful in union with the Lord, in union with his mighty strength. Use all the armor and weaponry that God provides. In other words, every 
piece of armor is important. And you've got to use every piece. In other words, my victory over satanic power is dependent on me using every piece. And you'll see, we're going to go through all of that. You already know what the pieces of armor are. But it says, use all the armor, all of it, and all the weaponry that God provides. So these weapons are provided by God. It says, use them so that you will be able to do what? So that you'll be able to do what? You'll be able to do what? So the purpose of using the armor is that we should stand. We should be able to stand. Note what it says. That you'll be able to stand against what? What? So the goal is to stand, not to be defeated. The goal is to win. The goal is to be a victor and not a victim. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You know, sometimes when people talk about the devil, you'll think that the devil has the upper power. And oftentimes there's so much said, and this is where a few years ago, I wasn't so happy. You know, English doesn't say it properly. I don't know any word to use in English, but <laughs> help me in English. I was tasuked. Yeah. I was very annoyed by the over-exaggerated emphasis on Satanism. Now, I'm not saying Satanism is not there. I've dealt with that. I went to the school where the children were murdered. I saw where they were murdered. I went to the site. I met those young people. Satanism is real. It's not a joke. It's not a figment of imagination. Satanic power is real. But that being said, Jesus is more powerful than the devil. Now, oh, come on. I don't hear you say amen in the place. And the Bible says the reason you want to put the armor is so that you can be able to stand. Yeah. Our goal is to stand. Our goal is to be victorious. Our goal is to not be victims. But then we sing these songs, you know, that present us as the victim. That's why it's the second verse I don't like. Hey! When are you being gaulat all the time? Then after about gaula, you can see that even those songs when they were composed by the composers it's a composer who didn't know the fullness of what the scriptures said I'm sorry to say that but some of the songs are so full of unbelief they don't present who God says we are yeah Oh yeah, thank you, thank you for that half-hearted hand clapping. I'll take anything. Verse 12 says, For we are not struggling against human beings, but against rulers, authority, cosmic powers, governing this darkness. Therefore stand. Can I hear an amen, Bazalana? Yeah. Can I hear an amen, Bazalana? Yeah. So Bazalana, we are, we, are, we are standing against the powers of darkness here. 
Can I hear an amen, Bazala? And the Bible says we need to stand against the powers of Satan. Now, let's give a brief background of this, what the Bible uh, says about this. When you read the book of Ephesians, it's a very great book. I really love it because, you know, among the many books in the, uh, in the epistles, in the New Testament, that are very informative to equip the believer of who they are, is the book of Ephesians. I think the book of Ephesians is one of the best books that really outlines in detail who we are in Christ. See, there is a difference that came in your life and my life when we received Christ as Savior and Lord. We, it's, it's not like we didn't receive Christ. You know, sometimes the way we talk as Christians, it's almost like even when we receive Christ, there's no change that happened in our lives. But when you read the Bible, you know, there's a lot that has changed in our lives. So from chapter 1 of Ephesians to chapter 5, Paul lays down before the believers their privileges in Christ. And the expression in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, is all the expressions that he uses. And he's using an Old Testament concept, or rather a concept that was practiced those days, of engrafting, when we said that you are in Christ. This is what is done in farming. Farmers will know this, particularly when it comes to, you know, uh, growing certain types of trees. Some of the trees, if you wanted to grow that tree, and you, you got this tree from somewhere, someplace, and you wanted to bring it to where you are to make that tree grow, all you needed to do is you just cut off the branch of that tree. Bring it to your orchard where you already have existing trees that are healthy and strong and established. And you would make, for less of, lack of a better word, you'd make an incision on the stem of an existing tree. Then you take that branch of that tree, that new tree that you got from every, somewhere, and you engraft it in, you put it inside the stem of the tree. Then, you know, those who deal with this, they know, then that branch would start growing. Now note, this branch, when you brought it here, it has no life of its own. All right? And its sustenance is based on the health of the stem. And all the life that flows in the stem begins to flow in the branch. And the reason this branch lives is because the stem lives. Are you understanding what I'm saying? This is what Jesus was trying to teach us in John chapter 15 when he said, I am the vine, or, or put it in a better way, I'm the branch, I'm the stem rather. You are the branches. Then he says, every branch in me, every branch engrafted in me, that bears fruit. The reason we are fruitful is because we draw the life from the stem. So it means whatever, whatever is in the stem, let's put it in Christian language, if the stem is victorious, then the branch must be victorious. Ah, you're not hearing what you're saying. If the stem has overcome the devil, then the branch must have overcome the devil. The Bible says, it, the Bible says, if, 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 if the same life that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, the same life that raised Christ from the dead. Can you imagine when Jesus was raised from the dead? You know, Bible theologians, they, we all argue about this from a theological standpoint. So whatever I say, someone is going to have a counter argument. So let me pick a side. All right. When Jesus died, 
The Bible says he went to the lower parts. We believe that his spirit went to hell. Now, you may disagree with me. We can argue as theologians. But whatever, it's fine. So, there he is in the region of the damned, right in the headquarters of Satan himself. I mean, there's no other better headquarters than hell. I mean, Satan was ruled in hell. And imagine, here is Jesus, three days and three nights, and the Bible tells us that God used the power of the Holy Spirit to regenerate and bring Jesus to life or to make his spirit to come alive. Think about it. Think about it. Here is Jesus right in the headquarters of hell. I'm just trying to picture it. Surrounded by Satan and all his cohorts. I mean, you are right there at the headquarters of the kingpin together with his foot soldiers. But when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, Satan was not powerful enough together with all his cohorts to stop Jesus from being raised from the dead. And he is raised from the dead and he is, goes up to heaven and he goes and sits not just high but far above all principalities and powers. And the Bible says, that same power Uh, some of you, you don't know what you, you don't know who you are. That's why you're not getting excited at all. I see, that's why you're not getting excited. That same power. That same power. Same power. That raised Christ from the dead. Is the same power that raised you from your spiritual death. Oh, come on, somebody. You know, sometimes the devil makes us believe that he can do anything. He can stop you if he wants to. Listen, listen. Before we receive Christ, according to Ephesians chapter 2, we were children of the devil. Right? We were children of disobedience. We had the spirit of the world operating in us. We were by nature children of the devil. Bound by him in his kingdom, he was our Lord. Think about this. Totally under his control and power and influence. But the day you heard the gospel, when you decided to respond to the call, Satan and all his powers and all his cohorts could not stop you from responding. Oh, come on now, somebody. When you were still in his kingdom, you were still his child, his power was working in you. He couldn't stop you from raising your hand and standing up and walking all the way to the front and getting prayed for, and then the same power that raised Jesus from the dead has come into you. And now that you're a Christian, now you're talking about Satan gowling you. Oh. Hi, man, Trada, man. Tell your neighbor, Trada, man, Trada. So Paul, from Ephesians 1 to Ephesians 5, explains so many concepts. We don't have time to go into that. About who they are in Christ. In Christ. In him. And we have to be careful, Bazalana. These are not things that we can do in ourselves. The verse we have read, it didn't say be strong in yourself. Hey. You and I, outside of God, we are nothing. Oh yeah. 
You and I outside of God, we should be afraid of the devil. But my goodness, our strength is not in ourselves. <laughs> our strength is in the one who made us to be God's children. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then he comes to uh, uh, Ephesians 6, 1 to 9. Then he talks about relationships within the family. And then he talks about relationships between slaves and masters. And then as you go down to verse 10, he begins to address the believer about spiritual warfare. In Ephesians 6.10, Paul exhorts the believers to be strong in the Lord. Somebody say, be strong in the Lord. Lord. Then it says, put on the whole armor of God. Somebody say, the whole armor of God. He said, put on that armor so that you should be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, you must stand. In other words, there's a day called the evil day. The evil day is not every day, but the the day called the evil day. The day called the evil day is when Satan is trying to take you out. Now, as much as we don't like to hear it, Satan doesn't attack us 24, 7, 365 and a quarter days. Because when you read the Bible, you note, even when Jesus was tempted in Matthew 4, go and read it. If you don't believe me, go and read it. It says, after the tempter tempted him, and you know how Jesus dealt with the temptation, It says, and the tempter left him for a season. Or there are times when you are on a break. (laughs) See, what we don't factor in is people say, but if if, if that be so, why is it that I'm still tempted? Well, there's what the Bible calls in Galatians 5, the works of the flesh. This is not the devil. This is our unregenerate nature. And when you read in Galatians chapter 5, from verse 19, it explains what it is. Hatred, memoring, arguments, wild parties, it explains, even sorcery. Satan is not there. He's just the unregenerate nature. So, you know, there are times when Satan is really not attacking us. It's just our flesh that's giving us problems. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? So the evil day is not every day. The evil day for me, I picture it like this. It is when Satan, almost like when he, he, he went to God to ask permission, you know, to attack Job. Yeah, <laughs> he goes to God, he says, he says, does this guy fear you for Mahala? And God says, well, you know, then Satan says, no, the reason this guy fears you is because when I'm with him, you've blessed him. And on top of that, you've built a hedge around his family and his home and everything he does prospers. That's why this guy is serving you. And he says, touch him. Touch his life. Take everything. You'll see. He's going to turn from you and he's not going to worship you. And God says to Satan, look, look, everything he has is in your hands. To decode that, you can go attack him. Let the evil day come on his life. But don't touch his life. Yeah, touch everything. Don't live this life. Don't, 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 don't. Yeah. So that was the evil day for Job. From nowhere, he loses his possessions, loses his children, loses his health. Everything falls apart. And think about it. He hadn't done anything wrong. That's why some of you, when you are going through problems, don't look around for any skeletons in this cupboard. You don't even have any small onion or skeleton. 
Don't start condemning yourself and looking around for things that you haven't done wrong simply because you're being attacked. Tell three people he's talking to you, even if you're not saying amen. Tell three people he's talking to you. One of the biggest deceptions of Satan is that when he attacks you, he makes you think that you've done something wrong. So you live in this constant state of condemnation. Job hadn't done anything wrong. And we therefore need to understand, serving God doesn't mean we're not going to go through problems. Oh yeah. Sometimes the reason we go through problems is because we chose to serve God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so here it is, is the evil day. The evil day, you know, I think about it, I love watching, you know, these films that they make on, on, on nature and the wild, wildlife and all of that. Have you ever seen when lions, a pride of lions wants to take on a prey, you know? You know, the lions, they hunt as a, as a is, it, is, is it a peck? That's correct. Is that correct English? My English is still as a pride, not a peck. Peck is the dogs, ne? The pride is the lion, ne? Okay. Thank you for helping me. So, as a pride. And you know, it's, all, it's mostly the female lions that hunt. The guy comes in, you know, the big guy comes in now and then just to push his weight around. But it's the ladies who do the job. So, you know, I like watching them because they are so strategic. You know, they take strategic positions and you'll see, say, there's a, now I'm coming, there's a herd of wildebeest. Is it right? Is it a herd? Is it a pack? It's a head. Not this head. All right. There's a head of wildebeest, say about a hundred of them. And what I find very interesting is how the lion that starts attacking singles out one wildebeest. Once it starts charging, you kind of see it running past others, even brushing others as it runs past. Because that's not, that one, it's not the day, it's not the evil day for that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not the evil day. It is the evil day for that particular one. This is what this is what Jesus said actually. If you go with me to Luke chapter 4. It says that's the evil day. And it says, and the devil departed from Jesus for a season. Alright. Now, know this, Bazalana. Let me explain something. Jesus says to Peter. I'll come to that at the end of my notes. I hope we'll be able to get there. Let me say this at this point. He says to Simon Peter, he says, Simon, Simon. And you know, when Jesus calls your name twice, <laughs> it's almost like when he says to you, verily, verily. He's trying to get a point. He says, he says to him, this is after he has spoken to them about the fact that he's going to be crucified on the cross and all kinds of things have happened. And then, and then Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon. The devil has decided to sift you as wheat. In other words, your evil day is, 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 is yeah. Now, note what Jesus says. He says, and I, but I prayed for you. Now, note what Jesus says. He, he doesn't say, I prayed for you that the evil day doesn't come. Thank you for that amen, my brother. Some people don't have the courage to say amen. No, he says, I prayed for you that your faith should not fail you. The evil day will come, but, when, but after, but having done all to stand, you will stand. Yeah, the evil day will come, but you've got to put on your weapons and put up a fight. It's the evil day. Yeah, and Jesus says, I prayed for you that your faith should not fail you. So Paul then explains 
the reason why we need to be strong in the Lord. He says in verse 12, for we are not wrestling with flesh and blood. The 20th century New Testament reads, for our struggle is not struggle against enemies of flesh and blood. People are not a problem. Let's get it right. People are not our problem. Let's get it right. So you, you and I, we have no reason to hate anybody. Look at your neighbor who's not saying amen. amen. Now, I will admit, there are times when Satan uses people. Mara, don't play the person. Understand the power behind. People are not a problem. <laughs> the Phillips translation says, for our fight is not against any physical enemy. Satan is our enemy, not people. People may say they're your enemy. They may present themselves as your enemy. But when you read what Jesus said, how to act towards your enemies, says, love them. <laughs> you don't like my sermon, do you? <laughs> Jesus says, do good to those who persecute you. Activate a spiritual law where you're not going to, you know, Romans 16 says, as much as lies in your power, do all things to be at peace with all men. It didn't say all people will be at peace with you, but it says, when now decide to be at peace. When they fight, you decide not to fight back. This is a hard sermon. Walk in love because people are not your enemy. Human beings are not your enemy. I'm not saying you must let them just get away with things. That's not what I'm saying. But I say even if you put up a defense and you resist what they're doing, don't hate them. Don't hold them with a heart. Oscar <laughs> Satan is our enemy. Now, you know, that word enemy, we don't actually pause and think about it. What's an enemy? If Satan is my enemy, what's an enemy? Well, here are the definitions of an enemy. Number one, a person who is actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. Actively opposed or hostile. In other words, Satan is sitting 24-7, 365, scheming and planning. He's opposing you. He's hostile. Somebody who's hostile is somebody who's unfriendly, unfavorable. They are not agreeable. They are not kindly. They are not helpful. They are not encouraging in any way. Satan will discourage you in your worship of God. He'll discourage you in your service to God. After you've prayed and you say amen, he will speak in your mind and say, God didn't hear you. When you feel a pain here, says you have an, you have an incurable disease, you're going to die young. Satan is not your friend. Jesus said he is a liar. In John 10, 10, Jesus said he is a thief. He comes to steal, to kill and destroy. That's your enemy, not people. That's your enemy. And that's why you need these weapons. And you must know how to use them. And you've got to use them. And don't be nice. Don't be too Christian about it. Hmm? Use them. Effectively so. 
Don't have any ounce of emotion when you use these tools against the devil. Merriam-Webster defines an enemy as someone who hates another. Someone who attacks or tries to harm another. Satan is constantly trying to harm you. Constantly. I'm not trying to put fear in you. I'm just trying to put things in perspective. He tries to destroy your home, destroy your family, destroy your health, destroy your finances, destroy your work with God, destroy everything. It's an enemy. I'm trying to get you to not be so nice. I'm trying to get you to understand why you need to be very proactive and not be a victim. And use your weapons. Because if you don't use your weapons, your enemy is not nice. Your enemy is not going to go on a sabbatical. Never. Your enemy is planning and scheming to bring you, I tell you. Yeah, that's what the enemy is planning. An enemy, thirdly, is a person who fosters harmful designs against. The Bible says we, we are not ignorant of what? The devices of the enemy. The devices of what? These are plannings and schemings and strategies. Satan can be very patient. Yeah. Get on a well-drawn-out thing. out trap it. To, 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 to hit you finally and bring you down. Yeah, that's why the Bible is eating. The Bible tells us to be what? To be alert. Yeah. The Bible tells us to be watchful. To be on guard. Don't be a soldier who's sleeping. You have no time to sleep, soldier. Satan is not a figment of the imagination. He's wreaking havoc in people's lives. You know how I wish some, sometimes people could really come into contact with real manifestations of demonic power. Some people don't know it because, because you haven't met it. You, you don't know it's there. I remember in the first year of pastoring, you know, when I woke up to some of these things, it wasn't just in the first year I'd seen some of the things before. In fact, 1989, there's a, there's, a, there's a guy who was prayed for. No, 1980, I wasn't there when he was prayed for. But this guy, we, we, he was known to be like, you know, in the guy in, in, in Mark chapter 5, the madman of Gadara. This boy wasn't fine. This boy wasn't okay at all. Walked around, you know, he wasn't all right, totally. And we had a group of young people we used to pray together. And in this prayer meeting, we used to experience so many things. You know, first time, I'll tell you another story after that. First time I saw these things. You know, some things, if you've never experienced them, you think they're not there. You think people are just joking around. So this young man, he came into the prayer meeting. And you know how young people are, eh? We, 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 are not, we are not very wise. We just, and if we have power, we use it. <laughs> so they all surrounded this young man and started praying for him. An evil spirit started manifesting through this boy. They, pray, they told me, they prayed, if I'm not wrong, for like six hours. Different evil spirits speaking through him. Finally, this boy was delivered. Finally. Pazalana, on the same day, he was different, they tell me. The following day, this boy was so different, everybody in the community was wondering what happened to this boy. But the fight they had to put up, unfortunately, we didn't know much those days. We don't know much yet, anyhow. But then we were even much more disadvantaged, comrades. <laughs> Disenfranchised and marginalized. 
We didn't know how to help somebody. When you pray for someone to be delivered from demonic powers, after that, there are certain things biblically that you need to help them in. Otherwise, the evil spirits come back. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12. So this boy, for a whole month, he was fine. But unfortunately, the home he lived in, they, they didn't, they were practicing other things. I don't want to go into details. He came from a home where this young man was raised in that kind of environment. A month later, he went back to the same. It's not that God didn't work. But it was amazing. Actually, I think I did come back briefly during the time when he was okay. You couldn't believe he's the same person. Just like the madman of Gadara, clothed in his right mind. You, you, when you look at him, you... That's when I took notice of, hey, these things about Satan, these things are real. Yeah. One day we went to pray in a certain home for somebody who used to practice uh, witchcraft. True story. True story. And they happened to be family with one of the young people who came to the prayer meeting. You know young people, you don't calculate. So it was a relative who had come to visit, but this relative was not shy, shy. So the young person says, we must go pray for them. So we are all, you know, filled with power of the Holy Ghost. Thank Jesus. Hallelujah. We know who we are in Christ. Hallelujah, man. So we all went to go and pray. <laughs> and I, I was the leader of the... <laughs> I was the ring leader. So you know when you are the leader, now you must start doing these things, you know. <laughs> I never will forget. And this person was an elderly person, you know. And quite a, a, somebody who was very big-bodied, very large and strong. But, you know, because of the things they did, they were not well, their feet were swollen, all kinds of things. They couldn't walk fast. And I remember, we first of all got in and cornered this person. <laughs> hey, Jesus. That's why I'm only talking about it now. This happened in 1979, so it's many years ago. I was still very young. So he started praying. And as we started praying, this person started, oh. <laughs> and the spirit started reacting. And I remember I watched them, their face changed. And then I said, I walked towards them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Picture this. Here's the room. There's a door here. I'm standing next to the door. This person, we've, we've really have. Anyhow. So I walked to them and I said, We're going to pray for you today. And, the, and then they, their voice changed and the spirit started speaking out through them. Big, baritone, very white voice. Whoa, whoa. Oh. But I could tell whatever the spirits were saying wasn't nice. Nor was it kind. But you know, through my, I didn't know. I know better now. But I, I went and confronted. I said, we've come to pray. And as I walked towards them, I don't know. All of us bear testimony to that. We don't know when this person left the room, how they went past me at lightning speed. None of us know that. All I remember was they were already in the kitchen and out that door. Yeah. Because this friend of ours in their home, at night things used to move on their own in the kitchen. Yeah, you see, if you've never seen that, you'll think that's just stories. Yeah. Uh, you think it's stories. So you see, see, there's extremes on this. There are those who say this is not there. But there's the other extreme of people who exaggerate now. Everything is the devil. If the leaves fall from the tree, it's the devil. <laughs> Come on, let's keep the balance. There is the evil day. There is demonic powers. But the good thing is Jesus has given us victory over it. 
Can I hear a good amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Paul then begins to describe how these demonic spirits or evil powers are organized in different ranks. You know, these things we don't know. Different ranks. He says, principalities, let's go. Powers, yes. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Look at it. Now note, let's read together. For we wrestle not. Look at your neighbor and say, people are not your problem. Tell them again. It's not flesh and blood that's your problem. So we're not fighting with people, but we are wrestling or fighting against, let's go, principality. And then... And then, and then, spiritual wickedness in. So that that's the four ranks. All right, that's the four ranks. Now, in the time I have left, let me describe those ranks. I, I, I just feel I wish I had more time because I don't want to end this thing talking about the devil all the time. All right, I don't want to amplify the devil, but we need to know Barcelona. It's in the Bible. What I'm reading is in the Bible. You know, we read these things and we never interrogate what they mean. We never study them. We just read them in general, the flesh and blood, weapons of our warfare. What does it mean? The sword of the spirit. What does it mean? How do you use the sword of the spirit? How do you apply that? See, this is one thing that used to bother me as a child about church. That, you know, in church we use all this religious language and nobody takes the time to explain to me how it applies practically to my life. You see? So we can get into all this religious talk and talk nicely, but the quality of our life doesn't show the difference that Christ has brought in our lives. If we have been engrafted in Christ, certainly there's something different about us. Not different in the sense that we are better than other people. Not different in the sense that we isolate ourselves from other people. No. Different in the fact that Christ has brought a difference in our lives. But you see, because we don't study what the Bible says, even when we read it, we don't interrogate it, we don't try to see how it applies, then, you know, we read these things and we talk about it and then we still suffer from the attack of the enemy. But thank God for the light of the word. I said thank God for the light of the word. Are you ready? You want me to close? No. All right, let's start. Rank number one. The first rank he mentions is principalities. What are principalities? Principalities are evil spirits that hold the highest, loftiest position of rank and authority. The American Standard Version says we are wrestling, principalities, we are wrestling against world rulers. These are evil spirits that influence the happenings in the world. These are demonic spirits that influence countries and nations. Over the nations. And that's why when you read the Bible, a reference is made there. In fact, in the book of Daniel, when you read the book of Daniel, I can't read all of it. I give an assignment to read it. But Daniel chapter 10 is very interesting when after Daniel had prayed for 21 days, and after 21 days of prayer and fasting, an angel appeared to him. And what the angel said to Daniel, 
is so informative. And, and when the angel speaks, you can almost tell from reading, even if it's speaking of a prince, it's not just talking about a prince in one realm or one dimension. It's almost like there's a two-dimensional reference of the prince of Persia in the natural, a king who ruled, a president, prime minister, who was over the nation, over the country, but also a demonic spirit that ruled over that nation. Now watch this. Go with me to Daniel chapter... Have I lost you? Okay. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 to verse 14. This is the angel speaking to Daniel. Then the angel continued and said, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I've come in response to them. So here it is. Daniel spent time fasting and praying. Praying and fasting deals... See, that, that's why the, 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 one of the things the enemy does, the devil does, is to get Christian people to be prayerless. Because prayer is one of the weapons. In fact, when you read Ephesians chapter 6, after Paul has listed everything, at the end he says, praying always. It's always linked to prayer. These weapons are linked to prayer. So the, it says, from the first day you heard, your words were heard. And I've come in response. Utra I invested in, but I've highlighted it. The prince of what? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. When you read the history of this time, you'll find there was a natural prince, a physical person, over that kingdom. But that's now, but what the enemy, what the what the angel was talking about was a spiritual person. It says the prince of Persia did what? I can't hear you. He did what? For what? 21 days. Now note, watch this. Then Michael, one of the chief princes. Now, wait. When you study about angels, there are different ranks in angels, the good angels. Now, the the prince of Persia is a demonic spirit in this instance. But God sent Michael. There's There's different angels. There's Michael. There's Gabriel. There's Banab. And these two angels, when they are mentioned in the Bible, either they are bringing a major announcement that's going to change the history of the world, or they're going to engage in warfare. When you study the whole Bible, you remember even with with Mary, an angel appeared to bring the announcement. So in this instance, note what it says then, then Michael. So this is an angel that says, I was bringing your answer, but the prince of Persia withstood me, resisted me. In other words, there was a demonic power that was more powerful than me. Are you there? Then it says, and then Michael, one of the what? How about to kill them all? Oh, it's not there. Sorry. Michael, one of the what? I can't hear you. One of the what? What did he do? Came. Yeah. Because with what? Verse 14. Now I have come to do what? Yeah, what will happen in the future? For the vision concerns. So this is so when this 
angel that was resisted by a higher ranking demonic power couldn't make it through. God sent reinforcement of an angelic being who was on a higher rank. So there's rank and authority in the spirit world. No, there's rank. There's rank and authority. So Paul talks about principalities. Somebody say principalities. Then the second level is powers. Somebody say powers. Now, this word powers describes a lower second level group of evil spirits. And these evil spirits are the ones that have received delegated authority or delegated influence from Satan. Now note, many times we've read Mark chapter 3, 22 and never understood what was said there. It says there, the scribes and the Pharisees, when they were talking to Jesus, the teachers of the law, this is the accusation they made against Jesus. Watch, Mark 3, 22. The teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem, they said that Jesus is possessed by Beelzebub. Now, I don't have the time, but I want to go into details about Beelzebub. But Beelzebub is a higher-ranking demon. Maybe not necessarily a principality, a carlo, but a higher-ranking demon. So they said to Jesus, you are possessed by Beelzebub. But now note what Jesus says. Sorry. They said he is possessed by Beelzebub by the what? By the prince, by the prince of demons, he is doing what? What? Oh, you didn't get it. Read that part. By the prince, which is Beelzebub. So Beelzebub is a prince. So Beelzebub is ranking like the other angel, like the other demons. By the what? The prince of, he is doing what? So in other words, Beelzebub is a higher-ranking demon who can drive out lower-ranking demons. Oh, you didn't get that. You didn't get that. They say to Jesus, you are possessed with Beelzebub. You are po- because they saw Jesus casting out demons from people. They said, no, 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 you're not casting out demons by the power of God. You are casting out demons because you are possessed by Beelzebub. And because Beelzebub is a higher ranking spirit, he can exorcise the other demons. They said, Hunter, Hunter, Wena, you are not operating by the power of God, you are operating by evil powers. Because even in the rank of demonic powers, there are certain spirits that are more powerful than other spirits. Is there more light now? Can you look at your neighbor and say, please try to make him feel good. If there's no light, just say there's no light. Now, look at this example I've talked about of the men of Gadara. And I want you to note something that you may have read and never noticed even the language used. Mark chapter 5 verse 9. Now note. This is the man of Gadara. You remember the man of Gadara? How many of you remember the story of the man of Gadara? So I didn't this. You're not going to raise your hands. How many of you remember the story of the man of Gadara? You remember the man that Jesus met in Gadara? Who used to live in the tombs? You remember his story now? He used to cut himself, his stones. And the Bible says no man could tame him. Oftentimes he had been bound by chains and fetters, but he would break the chains. And he sat there in the tombs crying day and night, cutting himself with stones. All right? Okay, so are you, are you there, Basalem? Yes. Now, in Mark 5, verse 9, 
When this man of Gadara approached Jesus, thank you, thank you guys, the demons spoke to Jesus and said, we know who you are, you know, you Jesus. Have you come to torment us? So they spoke to Jesus. Now note, and verse 9, and Jesus asked him, not the man, but the spirits that were speaking through him. Now watch the language, watch this. And Jesus asked him, read with me. Say it again. Now watch, 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 watch. And then the evil spirit says, wait, my name is Legion for we are many. That's funny language. My name is singular legion for we are many. Now, legion is a designation for a company of Roman soldiers numbering 6,286 men, which is an emblem of irresistible power and a multitude organized into unity. So this guy, if the word legion is anything to go by, and it's exactly that word in the Greek, it means this guy probably had about 6,000 demons in him. But now note, watch this now. For every legion, there's always a captain or a corporal, whatever rank it is, there's always someone who's leading. So in this instance, then you have the leader. My name is legion. We... For we are many. So I'm the boss, and I've got 6,000 other guys who are under my command. Okay. So those are what we call powers. These are demonic spirits that can be assigned by other evil spirits. The third level is rulers of the darkness of this world. God's word translation calls them the powers who govern this world of darkness. And this depicts raw power that has been harnessed and put into order. Now, I want to read this. This level of demonic powers governs and rules with darkness, obscurity, and shadiness. Now, note, Barcelona, when this phrase is used at times, it's used to picture military camps, note, where young men were assembled, trained, and turned into a mighty army. So, these demonic spirits, these rulers of the darkness of the world that we are talking about is demonic powers that have been brought in to come and do a specific work. It uses the simile of young men who are like raw power. When they arrived, they were not trained, but after they've been trained rigorously, this raw power is, organ is converted into organized, disciplined army. So Satan deals with his demons like they are troops. He puts them into rank file, gives them orders, assignments, then sends them out like military soldiers who are committed to kill. This is exactly what Jesus talked about in Luke 22, what I said I'll come back to. When Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. So in other words, these demonic powers, on that day, these rulers of the darkness of this world, 
We're singling out Peter, not what Jesus says. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But doubt, he doesn't get it. But Simon replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus said, Munna, don't make many promises, Simon. I'm telling you, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. So these demonic powers, they make you to falter in your walk with God. They are there to put a scar or a mark on you so that you do something that will make you so ashamed that you want to walk away from God. Listen, no matter what you have done, God's love is still in your direction. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Not our wrongs, not our mistakes, not anything we've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. God still loves you and God still cares for you. But you see, these rulers of the darkness of this world, when they zeroed in on Simon Peter, they wanted him to deny Jesus, which he did. But their goal is that he should forever cut himself from relating with Jesus because after that incident, Simon stopped walking with the other disciples. He stopped associating. So these rulers of the darkness of this world, they want to frustrate you in your mission. They want to frustrate you in your destiny. They want to frustrate you in what God has sent you to do. But I'm here to tell you, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And no tongue will be raised against you. If you fall down, you better get up and dust yourself up and walk again in the name of Jesus. That is why after Jesus was raised from the dead, he came to the rescue of Simon Peter. He made sure he goes back to Simon Peter and engages him in conversation. And he talks to him, that you have fallen, it doesn't mean you are a failure. That you have made a mistake, it doesn't mean you are a failure. That's why he said, when you have returned, Simon, strengthen your brothers. What is he saying? Let me decode it for you. He's saying, Simon, when you have made a mistake and I've brought you back up, You'll have the capacity to help other people who fall. See, the Bible says we must be able to comfort other people and help other people who fall down. The Bible says if you see someone taken in your fault, you who are spiritual, support such a one, lift them up. But you see, the reason you're able to lift them up is because God lifted you up. How many of you realize when you make a lot of mistakes, you develop a lot of capacity to understand the mistakes of other people? I'm not a young man anymore. I'm in my 50s. I've made so many mistakes. And when I look at my life, I am not like I was when I was in my 20s. When I was in my 20s, I was, I was half-hearted. I was too strict. I was too stubborn. I was too pure. I was too right. But my goodness, life has dished out a lot of mistakes. And I have made so many mistakes now that when I'm in my age, when I see somebody make a mistake, I don't look at them with judgmental eyes because I know that's where God found me to. That's where God raised me to. That's where God lifted me up. Oh yeah. And the rulers of the darkness of this world, they are there to try and trap you in your destiny. But I'm here to tell you, you will rise again. I said you'll rise again. And in conclusion, the Bible talks about spiritual wickedness in high places. This is what other people call territorial spirits. Watch this now. It says this spiritual wickedness in high places or in heavenly places, as one translation puts it. Heavenly places speaks of the lower heavens, the lower atmosphere surrounding the earth. These spirits influence territories and bring wickedness. In fact, you'll note as you travel through places, 
There are different influences in different places. Different places are characterized by different types of wickedness. Some areas have got certain things more than other areas. That's why when you read the letter of Paul to the church in Corinth, particularly 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you know, and he writes to them in Corinth because there was a church person there who was starting to behave like the people in Corinth. He was taking on what the Corinthians were doing because Corinth was a very corrupt city, very immoral, had lots of things going on there. And so the, the, the Christian people, if they don't use their armor, they'll start behaving like the place where they live. Utla no wine like bona. Utla jolla like bona. Utla vale makwa pain like bona. Utla tadi fat and set like bona. Utla vale corruption like bona. Yeah. Utla buoma ka like bona. Yeah. Utla tamale buoma isusu like bona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you come to a place, there are certain places, you know, if you look around our country, there are some of our provinces where you'll find predominantly there's a specific thing. You'll find that area people buy noir. You can find four generations. I know that. And those places you find, other things are there, but predominantly there are some places where certain spots where accidents happen. We are not wrong as Africans when we are talking about cleansing a place. It's just that I may not agree with certain things we do. I may not agree how we do it. But there are places that need to be cleansed find certain spots. And if, you, if, you, if, you, if you've been there and you've dealt with people who deal with these things, when they confess, they'll tell you. In fact, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a DVD I want to give our pastors. I was looking at it recently. This man, uh, I think he's in Argentina or somewhere. This guy was literally raised from his home to serve in Satanism from childhood. He's saved now. He's a preacher now. He tells his story. He tells how they would literally go to certain spots and cause certain things to happen in certain spots. I'm telling you. But then that's why you must pray for yourself. Yeah. Pray for yourself. Don't take things for granted. How You don't know the previous owners by You know, we, we sleep around in hotel rooms when you go. Bishop Darkwood Mills was telling us, telling a story. He was told it here. In one hotel room, he couldn't sleep. And then all of a sudden, he started seeing things. Now, you call it superstition. No, it's fine. Call it superstition. You haven't met it yet. You haven't met it yet. The day you, you meet it, you'll run. <laughs> I'll close with this story, Bazalan. Lester Samrol tells of an amazing story. You can Google it. It's there on the internet. He went to Manila, and it wasn't his intention to go pray for anybody because he was going to preach, so he separated himself. And a story came up. Television wasn't uh, that popular then or wasn't even there. But he heard on the news about this phenomenon of this inmate who had been incarcerated for life. This girl had murdered people, had done all kinds of things. She was one of those, according to what the police said, hadn't criminal, they had sentenced her, given her a life sentence, really. But funny enough, her name is Clarita. You must go and check it. It's there. It's a true story. And this Clarita was attacked by an unseen force that baffled psychologists, psychiatrists, and all the medical people and, and all people in all disciplines. Because somehow this girl would get a fit and she would kind of pass out screaming and it seemed like she's struggling with some unseen force. 
This is a true story. To a point that there were times when she would fight and it would be like wrestling and she would faint. And then when they opened her palms, there would be something like hair in her hands. Some kind of hair. When they analyzed it, it wasn't human hair. It wasn't the, the fair from animals either. So they didn't know. At times she would hold on to a certain part of her body and then when they took her hand off, there would be tooth marks with wet saliva. Yeah, you see, if, you, if you've never seen these things, you, you don't know. You can just say this figment of imagination. Wait until something bites somebody and you are there with them. I remember as a young pastor, I prayed for somebody. It wasn't as acute, but they used to be attacked. They would actually see this thing. And I remember I, they came to the office and I was talking to them. And as I was talking, I saw this girl's eyes get so big. And then she said, there it is. And she was looking behind me, behind my shoulder. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I tell you. Hey, Barcelona, if you haven't read your Bible, if you don't believe what the Bible says, you, 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 oh, I tell you, you'll leave the counselee there and you'll be the first one out the door. But you see, thank God I had been studying. I will not lie. Yeah, there was fear in my heart. But, you see, what, the Bible didn't say the name of Jesus will not work when you are not afraid. That's not... When you are starting, you are afraid. I was, I, I was afraid. I was still a young pastor. And I, I saw this girl. I mean, you know, Barcelona, there's no reason for a young, beautiful girl to try and impress me. Why should she? This girl was traumatized. When they brought her, she was traumatized. When she was talking, she says, this thing, I can see it. It's attacking me. I've not slept. The child had she hadn't slept for two weeks. So they brought me to you. And I'm thinking, why didn't you go to somebody else? Why me? <laughs> So I sat down, here I am, I'm trying to explain these principalities and powers, and then her eyes went, boom! She just stopped listening, she said, there it is. I said, where? She said, there. <laughs> I looked, I couldn't see it, but it was real to her, very real. And she started shaking, Come on. no, 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 what do you do? What do you do? Oh, I turned, I said, in the name of Jesus, boom! Boom, Satan! Puma in Jesus' name. Hey, you can use the name of Jesus too. I said it's a name above every name. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess. It's the name above every name. Jesus says these signs shall follow them that believe. He said in my name. In my name. In my name. Let me finish the story and I'm done. So Lester Samuel went to pray for this girl. And several attempts failed. I think it was the third attempt he went, and this girl finally got delivered. It's a true story. You can go and Google it. She's, she's a married woman. I don't know if she's still alive now. They did update her story. Married with a family. Everything okay. But this girl, after she had been delivered, it was saved now, spiritual saving the Lord, said something that made me think. Afterwards, when she was interviewed, I was reading about it. I've got a book on it. She said, you know, even when I was possessed by demonic powers, she says, I would see these evil spirits that would force me to go and kill people and do all kinds of things. But then she said something, she said, and this will liberate you. She said, when they gave me an instruction and I didn't want to do it, they couldn't force me. 
Think about it. Think, oh, 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 oh. I just want to show you something. You see, we give too much credit to the devil. Listen, she's not a Christian at this time. She's demon-possessed, totally gone. But there is a thing God has given you called a will. Listen, listen. Oh, oh, oh. This, this thing of the devil made me do it is not true. Oh, oh, oh. Your will, your power to choose, even when Satan has bound you, and in and, fact, and when I read, I noticed, probably this is why the men of Gadara came to Jesus on his own. There's something in you as a man, a woman created in the image of God, that even when you are bound by Satan, he cannot break your will. When you make a choice to walk towards God, he cannot stop you. How much more now that you're born again? How much more now that you are filled with the Holy Ghost? How much more now that Jesus is the Lord of your life? You can walk over Satan every day of your life. Can I hear a shout in this house, please? Think about it. Think about it. She said, when I was bound, when these demons wanted me to, when I refused, they couldn't force me. She said, they would just attack me. But they couldn't make me. Oh. Now you're born again. Oh, Jesus. Now you are engrafted in Christ. Now you are feeding from the life that comes from the stem. And God says about you, no weapon formed against you will prosper. No tongue set against you will be able to succeed. Now God says, put on the whole armor of God so that you should be able to stand against the words of the devil. And having fought you stand still, you should be able to stand. Why allow demonic powers to rule your home? Satan to break your home. Satan to break your health. Satan to break your marriage. Why allow the devil to run away with your children and, and run away with your parents? Why allow the devil to stop you from getting a job? Why allow the devil to make you live in fear? God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. God has given you a spirit of power. Why don't you use the name of Jesus? That's a name that's above every name. You are not a victim in all these things. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. You know why you are more than a conqueror? Because Jesus conquered. And you are more than a conqueror because Lou and I, you're going to conquer your own battles. I'm here to tell you by the end of this month, you will feel that shield on you. You will feel that breastplate on you. You will put on that helmet of salvation. Your feet will be shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You will take that sword of the spirit and attack every demonic force. If I was the devil, I would pack my bags and go because here I come. Oh yeah. So the Bible says be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. And as we're continuing next week to talk about we're going to talk about the belt of truth. We'll unpack it for you. I want to show you that you don't know what God has done yet. If you know you need to hear it again and again. Can I hear an amen, Mazalona? Can I hear an amen, Bazalan? 
I was arguing with somebody not long ago who was preaching another different kind of gospel. He was trying to tell me that, you know, people can get saved any other way. They really don't need Jesus. Yeah, that's what they were telling me. And we had a very big, and there they, they knew how to put their facts. I asked them a question they couldn't answer. I said, you know, I've preached all over the world. And in many parts of the world, wherever I've been to, I've prayed for many people, many demonic people, or rather many people who were uh, assaulted by demonic powers. And I said, it didn't matter where it was in the world. The name of Jesus worked. Yes. It didn't matter. It was in French-speaking countries. It was in German-speaking countries. It didn't matter where I was. When I said Jesus, it didn't matter. Those demons went among us. When I said Jesus, they answered. I said, if you're trying to tell me that Jesus is not the one, then why are all these demons responding to only one name? Ah, come on, somebody. Whether it's in America, Jesus is Lord. Whether it's in Australia, Jesus is Lord. Whether it's in London, Jesus is Lord. Whether it's in Switzerland, Jesus is Lord. Whether it's in Soweto, Jesus is Lord. Whether it's in Amukuku, Jesus is Lord. Whether it's in a gated community, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And there's no other name given to men whereby men must be saved by the name of Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. 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 Come on, shout that name and make the devil mad, Jesus. Jesus. Every knee will bow. Somebody shout Jesus. Every tongue will confess. Somebody shout Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. What's the name? Let's all stand on our feet.